2020, episode 34. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Eye on 2020, the place that you're going to find all of the news and the information that goes along with this 2020 election cycle. And uh, I appreciate you coming out today. It is uh, episode 34, and I'm recording this, and uh, I'm actually on a ski trip right now. We went, actually, snowboarding trip, I guess we'll call it, because three of the four of us snowboard, and then my wife, she skis. And, uh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend that we've had, and I just wanted to get out here and uh, do a quick recording for you guys, because I've been keeping an eye on the news while I'm in here as well. Surprise, surprise. It's hard to not keep your eye on the news sometimes. If the recording sounds a little bit rough, that's just because uh, there's an air conditioner in the background that just keeps blaring and blaring. I can't figure out how to turn this thing off, man, so I apologize. Uh, but this is Ion 2020, your place that you're going to get all of the news and the related events that are happening with the 2020 election. So I appreciate you coming out today. I really do. Uh, it's always exciting that when I see new listeners coming every day, and uh, every show seems like it's getting more and more listeners. I get notifications when there's listeners uh you know, at certain peak levels and so forth, and uh, I'm hitting higher levels every single day, and that's good. That means that there's more of you who are looking for uh, information with regards to this 2020 election cycle, right? It's only February, and uh, I think I've heard that there's going to be some debates going on next, or this coming up in the summertime, uh, starting in June and July. There's going to be some debates for the, you know, the Democrats, and they're putting out some rules and some formats and so forth, Um with who they're going to allow into the debates. I think they were saying, like, the rule is you're going to have to have at least 1% of the uh, electorate that's voting for you. Uh, or when you're getting polled, I guess, there's going to be, you know, 1% supports this person, so they're going to be able to be in the debates, right? So that's the, that's the minimum threshold to get into the debates. And then they're saying there might be too many people for... The debates, because I mean, I think there's 12 or 13 people that have announced on the Democratic side so far, and 12 or 13 people sit in one debate. That's, I mean, for a two-hour debate, you know, they're gonna have introductions and so forth. You know, these people are gonna get literally, if there's 13 people, I mean, that's you know probably 25, 30 minutes of the debate. It's just gonna be the introduction. You know, for those people, they get like what, what a minute and a half, two minutes or so per person. So, you know, that's gonna be most of the debate just introducing yourselves so if we end up with 20 people in there you know it's just me everyone's going to get there you know a couple minutes to introduce themselves and that's it so i think what they're saying that they're going to do for these debates on the democratic side is they're thinking about um if there's like 22 23 people because i think that's how it was in what was it for the republicans last time there was about 20 some odd people that were going to be debating and there was 20 people, that many people that were running for the Republican nomination. And uh, 
what they end up doing is they end up breaking it up into two separate debates. One for the overachievers, I guess, the ones that are getting the, the most votes, the most people that are willing to look at them. Uh, they're, they're scoring the highest in the polls. Those are the ones that were in the, the big debate. And then they'll have like a secondary debate a couple days later. And that'll be the people that are pulling lower, right? But I guess the minimum threshold that they're saying is 1%. And... I guess that's good for formatting, right? That I mean, that's how I feel about it. You don't want to have a debate. I mean, I hated it when they in 2008, 2012, when they were having these, these debates and Ron Paul was there and he was only getting, I think in one debate, he got about 98 seconds or 120 seconds of actual airtime, air right? Um, great thing is he made the best of those 120 minutes because there's lots of great clips from that era. Uh, 2010 or that 2008-2012 election cycle, those debates, uh, he was getting, he was just spitting some truth, man, and that's really what it came down to, right? Um, and that was good. I thought it was really good to have Ron Paul on that stage. But going into 2020, you know, you're gonna have a similar format or a similar pattern going on for this, where you know you're gonna have 20, 25 people that are trying to get the nomination for the Democratic ticket. And what that's going to end up leaving is, you know, two separate debating fields of people uh, that are, you know, anyone that's polling 1% or better. And that's a pretty easy threshold to get. I think even Lindsey Graham was able to get over 1% of the people voting for him back in 2012, right? And he's not exactly the most popular person out there. He's a war hawk. Uh, and he was able to, even able to get onto that debate stage. So that's not a very hard thing to do. Now, most of those people after that first debate, they'll go into that first debate. Those 20, 22 people, 25 people, whatever, they'll go into that first debate. And by about a week or so afterwards, if they don't see themselves starting to rise in the polls and start getting a little bit of popularity going, then they'll probably drop off, drop off pretty quick, right? And then... Second debate, you'll see quite a few more drop off. And by about the third or fourth debate, you'll have narrowed it down to about eight or nine people that are going to be on that debate stage ever, debate stage for the rest of the going, you know, for the, for the rest of the election cycle. By about, you know, by about January or so, you'll probably see four or five main contenders. I think the Iowa straw polls will be in January. And you'll start seeing... You know, people falling off, and that'll that'll be the boost. The Iowa struggles. It'll be what boosts people. You'll get those top three or four uh, front runners during that time, and then by New Hampshire, you'll get a few good front runners as well. Kamala Harris, I think she is pushing to be the South Carolina, like South Carolina, as an early primary um, state as well. So I think she's shooting to win. She's spending a lot of time in South Carolina. I think she'll get a, a good showing there. I think she's African-American, and she'll probably get a good African-American. You know, there's a lot of African-Americans that are voting in the Democratic primary in South Carolina, so, she, you know, she's going to shoot for that. I can't figure out who's trying to go for Iowa right now and who's trying to go for New Hampshire, but you're going to have, like, the middle road people going and g trying to win New Hampshire. Iowa, you know, they'll probably vote for they'll be more willing to vote for somebody that is mo a little more progressive maybe i'm not sure but anyway that's what's going on right now they were they were talking about the last articles i was reading they were just talking about the democrats were setting some ground rules for the debates that are coming up so that'll be interesting to watch and see who is in the top tier debates 
who is in the bottom tier debates. If one of those people from the bottom tier can make it into the top tier debate, the next for the next debates afterwards, once they have the first round of debates, if uh, any of those people can make a splash, I'm not convinced that any of them will. And the Republican side, you know, the people that are pulling in the t- in the top tier, they seem like they stayed in there. Uh, in that top tier, and then those people that were in the bottom tier, they just kind of went away after the, the first or second debate. And I'm sure that's going to be the same way, because we have a huge field of Democrats right now. So, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the OG Libertarian. That's right, the OG Libertarian, the first Libertarian, practically, and his name is William Weld, or Bill Weld, as you might call him. He is the former uh, Republicans, or Republican governor of Massachusetts, right? Really popular guy in Massachusetts, I'm pretty sure. Um, very establishment kind of guy, but in Massachusetts, you got to realize this, guys. He was a Republican that was also practically a Democrat, right? Very liberal Republican, I guess you would say. And by being a very liberal Republican, you could almost make a case that you are a libertarian because you know how Gary Johnson used to say, oh yeah, we're fiscally conservative but socially liberal, right? That was the that was the way that he described himself. Well, that is what a lot of Republicans, or not Republicans, sorry, a lot of libertarians that are just like, you know, sort of libertarians, like libertarian light people, right? They describe themselves as socially liberal and fiscally conservative, and that's a very popular statement within the within the libertarian um, party establishment type people, right? Um, then there's the people that are a little bit more extreme, like that are on the, you know, minarchist. I guess is the way to describe it, which is like almost to the point of anarchy, but you can see a little bit of room for government, maybe for a military, for courts, and so forth. Um, yeah, those are that, that's the main body of like people that are libertarians for a long time. They kind of gravitate towards a, you know, almost no government at all, and even some go as far as saying that we should have no government whatsoever, and that would be like your anarchist libertarians. Um, but William Weld has always been like, like he called himself during the last when he was trying to get the libertarian pre- vice presidential nomination. He called himself the OG libertarian. He was like one of the first libertarians out there. And he can make that case in some way because he was a liberal Republican um, governor when he was governor, right? He was for gay rights before most people were. He was for liberalization of, you know, drug laws and so forth. And that's a libertarian-ish type thing, right? And then, he, But he was also like a fiscally responsible governor and he cut taxes and so forth and uh you know a lot of republicans liked him for that so um but that's william weld so let's say this this is the big announcement of the weekend that was over the weekend that william weld is now he turned himself from a libertarian he registered as a republican and he's going to run against donald trump He's going to make some splash. He's going to go after Donald Trump for not being, someone said this, and I thought it was hilarious, for not being establishment enough, for um, being too over the top, being, you know, for, for not 
being part of the mainstream enough, I guess. And you know, Donald Trump, he goes way against the 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 standard of what um, a typical politician is, right? And William Weld is like totally the politician's politician, man. He can raise money. That's what like the libertarians loved him last turn go around because he was able to raise money to get you know, possibly into the debates and get more people to vote for him, vote with libertarians. And it worked, you know, a lot of people voted for libertarians. I'm not sure if it was because of William Weld or not. Um, but I mean, he loved Hillary during that whole, during that whole election cycle. He was like, you know, sponsoring Hillary, donating to her campaign and everything I heard, you know, and he would make, you know, comments like, yeah, I would never vote for Donald Trump, but for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, she's a good kid. I think is what she said. Right. Or that's what he said about her. That you know, she's a good kid. She's a good, good girl. You know, I liked her and all that. So um, people said he was out campaigning for her. Essentially, um, she's still she's still lost though. So anyway, Bill Weld is going to run against Donald Trump on the Republican ticket. Um, they say that it's not that big of a deal. Not really. I mean, Trump's a very strong contender he's not going to get he's not going to have any serious candidates running against him but you know what there he is he's out there trying to um bill or bill weld is out there trying to run against him and i don't know if it's going to get a lot of support but that was the big news of the of the weekend so hey guys i'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up i have my family here at a ski trip and i was just able to break away for a few minutes to uh go ahead and you know record a show for you i wanted to make sure i get an episode out to you so that you know we know what's going on so that you know what's going on because this 2020 election cycle ion 2020 is what we are about and i am going to help you to keep your eyes on 2020 help you have clear vision for the 2020 election go ahead if you can subscribe to the show that's the key subscribe to the show so that you can have this show in your podcatcher every single day if you're a first-time listener i appreciate you coming out and listening and if you have continued to listen to this show i appreciate that as well subscribe to the show share it with your friends um, and then while you can as well give it a five-star rating and review and if you can do that i appreciate you doing that appreciate you coming out and listening every day and this is the place to have a clear vision for the 2020 election this is ion 2020 uh, come back and listen tomorrow. Have a, have a great day.